Welcome to Getting Behind the Desk, the 12-episode podcast series about the past, present, and future of broadcast journalism. Your host, John Dills, a senior mass communications major at Piedmont University, is going to explore topics relating to what broadcast has grown to be and what we can expect in the future. Today, I'm joined by Miss Jennifer Arbeiter. Miss Jennifer Arbeiter was a reporter and news director working in rural areas. So this episode, as that kind of suggests, is about broadcast journalism in rural areas. What was it like working for a news station in a rural area? Well, for us, especially since we were a, a brand new news operation, there was a, a learning curve for the community. Uh, we had to, like for instance, I had all of I had my reporters visit or call all the the mayor's offices and the sheriff's offices and explain who we were and. Uh, you know, that we were television and not a weekly newspaper, and that when we would be calling, we would be wanting to do stuff on camera, <clears throat> you know, because that was, that was always amazing to me. I would say, I'm Jennifer Cathy from News Channel 32. I'd like to interview you about blah, 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 and the next question would be, is this going to be on TV? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that would be, it, it was, there was a learning curve of getting people used to the idea of having a local television station because they didn't really have one. Um, once you get established, the competition aspect is very different. Um, you know, most of your uh, smaller newspapers are not going to be daily in a, in a small town, in a rural place. They're going to be, you know, once or twice a week. So yeah. naturally you're going to scoop folks sometimes because, um, just because they don't, they don't print every day or that also means, you know, people are used to having more time to deal with you. Like, uh, they need to interview you today. Well, I'm busy today. Can't you do it tomorrow? I'm like, well, we do a newscast every single day. So <laughs> no. <sighs> and then we also got, interestingly, you know, our, our station was headquartered in Tacoa, which is in Stevens County. And we get complaints from Tacoa and Stevens County residents saying, why is why are you giving us news from Athens and Gainesville and Clayton? Why can't you just do all Tacoa news? To which I would reply, how many times a week does the Tacoa record come out? And they would say two. And I said, if there was enough news, to do a 30-minute newscast about just Tacoa every day, then your newspaper would come out every day. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I have never yeah. thought of it like that. Yeah. So it, it's just a different – we had – you know, we basically we had to teach people how to interact with us because we were new. There, the station had been there a long time, but it hadn't been doing, like, local nightly news. It had been – you know, they had talk shows and – uh, you know, they showed a lot of reruns of things like Gunsmoke and Bonanza. So they didn't really do local news until we until I got there. And so we had to basically teach people how to interact with us. I'm sure for them it was like a different experience really because like you go from having a newspaper that's coming out once or twice a week and then – all of a sudden you get to hear of the news when it's happening. So right. I'm sure for some people that was like kind of almost a shock to be able to like <laughs> find out what's yeah. happening because this was 
this was before like social media was popular. So right. Right. like it, it just wasn't normal to hear news as it was happening. And I'm sure it was like odd to some people and kind of threw them off a little bit, maybe. A little bit, a little bit. Most of the time people were cooperative. People were happy that we were there, but there were some, there were some counties that like, I swear the whole county could blow up and I would call the sheriff's office and say, anything happened? They're like, nope, 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 nope. Wait, really? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Did they just not want to be involved? No, they never wanted us around. I mean, and some of that, there was, you know, was bad experiences with the Atlanta stations or the South Carolina stations coming over when something really bad happened and, you know, making people look bad and leaving town and not coming back, right? I mean, we talked about that in another interview where, the larger stations would only come up here to the mountains if there was a blizzard or a double murder or something crazy. Right? Yeah. So I think there had been some experiences in some of these small in some of these small counties with the Atlanta stations coming up there, making them look foolish, and they just were like, "We're just never going to do anything. We're not going to cooperate with TV of any kind." It, at least that was the vibe I got. Yeah, I mean, it it kind of sounds like they have almost a vendetta and like they didn't want to be involved because of what they had experienced in the past, not knowing that, you know, and not really fully processing that that station is there to serve them and not serve another audience. So. Right. That's, that's a very odd, like, I guess it's a normal reaction for a rural area, but it's kind of surprising in a way to hear that it was almost like pushed against just because of other stations. But (laughs) what did you enjoy about being in a rural area? Well, you have to be somewhat creative. I mean, these in a rural place, there's not a lot, it's not only a hotbed of criminal activity. Um, You know, you have to, you end up covering a lot of quote unquote boring things like, you know, county commission meetings and city council meetings, but those that's where the real meat and potatoes of people's lives are decided. And so you have to be creative and figure out ways to tell these stories that won't put people to sleep. And then you also, we got to do, it sounds corny, but one of the things I wanted to do as, as a broadcast journalist was to share more of the good news that there's, you know, it's not all, doom and gloom and if it bleeds it leads you know there's a lot of good stuff going on so I I, the stories I enjoyed the most were you know about regular people doing interesting and or extraordinary things so you know because you still have to fill up that 30 minutes and people aren't killing each other left and right like they are in some of our larger cities you have to really be creative and figure out how to tell good stories yeah and I wanted to ask did did you ever like look into like, I guess, environmental stories about like the local like environments of the surrounding areas? Or was that like something that was never really touched on? Well, yeah, most of our environmental stories had to do with, uh, at that time, not in my backyard kind of stuff because a lot of, uh, rural areas are, are attractive to folks who want to build 
uh, landfills and dumps and because uh, I think that there's not enough regulation to really, you know, stop them. Yeah. So uh, we did do several stories about those kind of things, about landfills and dumps and people not wanting them there. But then also, what are we going to do with all this trash? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, not a lot about you – know, it wasn't like a major thrust of our reporting environmental stuff. What are the benefits for a small community to have a local television news station a local television news station versus a less local but larger station located somewhere else? Well, number one, you get the reporting about what's actually happening in your town. If you watch, for instance, we're up in northeast Georgia. If you watch the Atlanta news, which is our quote-unquote local news, they're not up here unless there is a scandal or a blizzard. And you really don't get to know what's happening um, in your hometown. Now, in these days of social media, there's a lot more local awareness of what's going on. It's very difficult now for a city council or a county commission to pass an ordinance that is going to dramatically affect people in without people knowing about it, right? Yeah. Um, so... You know, back when I was reporting, that was a very important job for us to go to these meetings that, you know, might be pouring on their face. But when you're talking about property taxes, you're talking about hotel motel taxes and tourism. I mean, you're talking about things that really are going to affect people uh, in their pocketbooks and in their lives. And so it's important to get those things covered. Um I did some research, and there are actually several places in America where you really can't still can't get, like, cable television. And people are dependent upon their broadcast, their local rural broadcast television and radio stations for to know what's going on around them. Yes. So it's still, you know, people think, you know, TV, just like, listen, they thought radio was going to be dead when uh, TV showed up, and then radio was going to be dead when streaming and podcasting showed up. Radio is far from dead, and television is the same way. People think TV is dead just because the ratings are down, you know, on the big network. But on your local stations, your newscasts are still going to be like your high, some of your highest-rated television shows. People yeah. need to know what's going on, and uh, they, they do watch, for, especially for the weather, because yeah. they trust their local weatherman better than weather.com, or at least I do. The Weather Channel is, is wrong. I can agree. On my phone. I can agree. Yeah. See. So, yeah. Still, oh, I'm sorry. A big place, yeah, still a big place for rural broadcasting. Well, if we, like, look at how everyone has almost expected radio to die and then broadcast television and cable to die. It's really like broken, like almost I would say a record of like, Oh, this is going to stop being popular, but it hasn't because people still need it. Like there's still a need for local broadcast television as much as there is a need for radio because I like I was told and this kind of stuck with me the need for radio isn't going to go away 
as long as people still have a radio. And it was put into that perspective for me because even if you don't have a physical radio, you have one in your car, you have it online. So the fact that you can't really go without a radio and the fact that you need a radio almost will continue to keep radio alive. And I think television broadcast news and the need for news will keep television going. I think you're right. And I think, um, you know, I worry, I worry because of the cable news influence and, and, and people are frustrated by obviously partisan reporting And I hear, I hear people say all the time to me, I don't watch the news. I don't know what's going on in the world. And I'm horrified because that's, that's how we keep this country going. I I hate to get on my soapbox, but the first amendment exists for a reason. And, uh, journalism, real journalism is very important for us to be functional citizens in this country. Oh, I fully agree. uh, Local television, local radio, local newspapers are where you're still finding real journalism, real reporting. Exactly. And uh, I think that I'm I'm glad you're talking about this in your podcast. Yeah. And we like it's almost like people don't they don't want it to be there because they're worried that they can't trust it. Like there's kind of that misconception that they can't trust it because it's partisan, but a lot of local news stations, they only care about what's actually happening. Like they don't want to play into the politics besides reporting as to what is actually happening. So I think that's a big misconception in it. Right. And and the difference between news and commentary is something that, that is really important and needs to be really discussed. I mean, if you want to talk about how much of Fox News is actually news or how much of CNN is actually news anymore, those are important conversations to have. But don't confuse, you know, a commentary with news and thinking that you're getting a one-sided point of view, you know, if you're not really watching a newscast. Yeah. And let me just... um say this for the uh, podcast if you're listening right now there is another episode titled the cable wars and i it goes into detail about the fight between fox news cnn and msnbc so that is definitely an episode to listen to it's really great but in your opinion are rural television stations going to stay around or has social media kind of taken an audience from them I think they're going to stay around. Um, a, a large number of the public broadcasting stations are rural, and I don't see them going anywhere um, anytime soon. Um, and like I said, uh, there's a large swath. I would, I mean, not a huge population, but there's a large swath of the country that is rural and depends on uh, their local broadcasters because they can't get cable. Still, you, you think we're in year 2022, but there are a lot of people who don't get cable or satellite or even high-speed internet still, and they depend on their local broadcasters. Yeah, and, you know, be, being that we're both from rural Georgia, we can definitely say that, like, it the new technology comes in slowly. Oh, like, yeah. The access to new 
things coming in is very slow. Even where I grew up, I think the internet speeds are still kind of stuck in the early 20, like early 2010 ish era of speed. So it's like, it still moves slowly. So I definitely think there is going to remain an audience that follows it just because it's what they're going to be used to. It's because it's trustworthy and it's there, you know? Right. So what can broadcasters do to help ensure that smaller communities are receiving the news that they need? Well, one of the, the things about broadcast news is that um, it's expensive. Okay. You have to pay people, you have to buy equipment, you have to maintain the fleet of cars that you send your reporters out to drive. I mean, it's expensive. And so, so broadcasters have to be willing to spend some money. Yeah. Um, luckily, luckily, uh, most of the time, your newscasts are uh, some of your highest rated programs and you can sell advertising and, and uh, make the money that you can turn around and spend to make the newscast better. Um, one of the things I've noticed over the years is that income income compression is an issue in in television in that a lot of people starting out and a lot of your smaller stations are going to be entry level markets right yeah. and they're still not paying people uh, I don't I'm afraid you're not going to be able to attract talent it's like teachers you need to pay them if your if your children's education is important you need to pay the teachers appropriately and I feel like a lot of times in, in broadcasting, hey, you get to be on TV, you get to be on the radio, you're going to be, you know, this, this is, that's worth a lot in itself. And they pay you uh, dirt wages and work you like a dog. Yeah. And um, I don't think that's changed a whole lot. No. Since I've been out, just, just hearing, hearing from people who are like looking for jobs in the business and what they're paying and things like that. So you need to pay people. You want good journalism, you got to pay for it. One way or another, whether you're paying people, you know, the appropriate income and, or, and you're buying the right equipment. Um, but, yeah, so that's, that's the issue is they've got to be willing to pay for it. Yeah, and something else that I that kind of – we're kind of leading into this topic. Local advertising is so important to what broadca- or what broadcast has become because – through local advertising, these stations are making money to help supplement and really is their bread and butter of their income. Mm-hmm. But the more that local areas brought, like advertise through broadcast, the more it helps to support that station, really. Right. So I think, I think advertising alone is probably one of the most important parts of keeping broadcasts going in local areas. So it's almost scary that people see it as dying because if they see it as dying, maybe they don't want to advertise because they don't think that anyone's going to see it. And so for me, that's one of my fears of the future is that the idea that people aren't watching is going to cause more pain than what is actually true is that people are still watching. So 
Well, luckily, you know, they're, they're pretty good at measuring, uh, what people are watching and doing. Uh, (laughs) and I mean, when you, when you advertise on a local broadcast station, you can also be advertising on their, their app and their website. So you can actually make a pitch that your advertising is, is actually more effective because you're being seen in more than one place now. It used to be you, your 30-second ad would just be seen, you know, a few times in one newscast. And maybe people see it, maybe they don't. But if there is, you know, if you're on the app and you're on the website too, you're actually increasing your exposure and making your advertising more effective. So. There's ways to, to pitch it to the advertisers to make them understand that it's still very much worth their money. Yeah, I didn't really think of it as, you know, it being on the website, it being in their app or other places. So I think that's a really good, like, way to look at it, too, is that it's still going to be seen and you can show them that it's still going to be seen. So I, I like I definitely like that perspective. I want to thank Miss Jennifer Arbeiter for joining me on this episode of Getting Behind the Desk. Thank you for listening to Getting Behind the Desk with John Dills. Look for a new episode each week highlighting different perspectives of broadcast journalism from the past, present, or future.